0: Welcome to Conversational Commerce. Each week, we'll be having real and raw conversations with operators and experts in e-commerce all about what conversational commerce means to them. I'm your host, Stephanie Griffin. Let's jump in. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, PostScript. There are other SMS solutions out there, but PostScript is hands down our favorite SMS tool for e-commerce brands using Shopify and Shopify Plus. They work with some of our favorite brands like Olipop, Brooklinen, Kapari, and thousands of others. And sure, they are our sponsor for this show. Thanks, Postscript, but we love them for many other reasons. Postscript is the leader in powering brands to have two-way conversations with their customers using conversational commerce. They have integrations with your favorite platforms like Gorgeous and Clavio, so your brand can be truly conversational. Most importantly, their customer support is next level, I've worked with brands that use Postscript and have been blown away by their customer support. It's no wonder they have over 1,400 reviews and are rated 4.9 stars in the Shopify App Store. For a free 30-day trial, check out our link in the show notes or visit them at postscript.io. Again, that's postscript.io.
1: Hey folks, welcome back to Conversational Commerce. I'm so excited to be joined by Monica Grony today. She is the founder and chief menstruator at Morea Wellness. Monica, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Yeah,
1: this is a pleasure. Long time coming. Always a blast taking Twitter internet friends and meeting them and chatting in real life. So I will say that has been one of the absolute highlights of the show and of this experience. To just kind of have the conversations that we don't get to have in long form on places like Twitter. So yeah, thank you again. And to kick it off, I'd love to hear a little bit more from you, kind of about your role and kind of your founder story with Maria Wellness. Where did that come from? For our listeners, kind of paint the picture of, of how it came to be and, and what you're doing there.
2: Yeah. So Maria is a menstrual wellness company, and our mission is really to empower women to take charge of their menstrual health through lifestyle and nutrition. And the reason that I'm tackling this specific problem is because I'm someone who has that problem. I experienced really, really severe PMS, mood swings, varying symptoms along with my period for Mm. 17 years. And it wasn't until I was 25 years old that I realized, wow, these symptoms are related to my period where I really just thought, oh, every once in a while, I'm just more irritated or have lower energy. And there was such a gap in education that I was noticing because it wasn't just me who hadn't really made that connection. Um, My period was just something that came every 30 days and I had to deal with it, but I wasn't really correlating all of the other symptoms to that and had no idea how to tackle it.
1: Yeah, it's so refreshing. And I've been really interested in learning more about your experience and your company, because that resonates with me really strongly. And I'm sure many other women, but I essentially can't function without being on the contraceptive pill to manage my symptoms. I had gone off of it. And of course, there's not a lot of education around it. So I'm very sensitive to a lot of them. I had some bad reactions. And my doctor's advice a handful of years ago was just stop taking it, just stop taking it, which was catastrophic to my health, contributed to me developing anxiety. Um, I had a lot of weight gain and not just like normal weight gain. And I'm I'm sure you'll understand the difference of like, you just feel inflamed and bloated, like not just, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not exercising. I was, and just like nothing was able to kind of get those things under control. So for me, I kind of took the easy button approach and I did go back on it and it, it somewhat resolved it. But I don't want that to be the only option. And to me, it very much felt like that because of the lack of education. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about kind of how are you approaching education, uh, you know, through Maria, because it seems like something you're really passionate about with that.
2: Yeah, well, you're definitely not alone in that experience. So many women experience that same kind of process. It sucks. Yeah, it does. It totally sucks. It's really interesting, too, because there's also a lack of education in the medical space around this, OBs, which is like mm-hmm. our primary female doctor for many of us, and not to like turn this into a health podcast, but um, <laughs> it like they don't have a lot of nutritional training, and so they've learned in their training that the solution when people are experiencing menstrual symptoms is birth control. But mm-hmm. if we think about why birth control was created, it's a contraceptive, so it was created to prevent pregnancy. So basically contraceptive is covering up our symptoms by making us not ovulate and thus not ovulating is good if you don't want to get pregnant. But it also means that you have an anovulatory cycle, which actually isn't that healthy for us as females. Our bodies want to ovulate. Um, and that is what shows that we're healthy. It means we're fertile. And so There's this misconception and lack of education that even doctors are receiving because they don't have nutritional training in their schooling, where a lot of these things can actually be addressed simply with nutrition and lifestyle. And so our approach, for me, I noticed a huge difference in my symptoms. The first time that I had a doctor, it took many doctors to find someone who would recommend me something that wasn't prescriptive. But they said, Hey, here's a list of supplements. We've noticed that women who experience symptoms like yours um, have really good results with these nutrients. Give it a try. So I gave it a try, and that was really life changing for me and was just so blown away that I had to dig in and figure out why this was working and like what was going on, which led me, of course, to then create our product because I knew it could help. Not just me, but the 90% of women who are also experiencing these symptoms and really wanted to lead this brand from an educational place. Because when I had this realization that nutrition could be so helpful and it was something that not many people were talking about, I personally was like, should I just become a health coach and an influencer and like someone who talks about this and helps other women? but my background was in e-commerce. And so naturally it made more sense for me to kind of create a product and the product was really helpful to me and then understanding why the product was helpful. So I went down the brand path, obviously, but I wanted to still have that voice of education and a place where people felt comfortable asking questions and talking about their experiences, because that was missing for me. I was alone in my experience and going doctor to doctor, trying to figure it out. And I even tried to talk to my mom about it and was, you know, she was like, oh, those are just normal things. And I was like, no, like this isn't normal.
1: (laughs) Right. But also- If the normal thing sucks, maybe there's some solution now to to treat that, especially if things are a little bit different for our generation than maybe it was in the past. I love that. I think you touched on a handful of key things. It's like those holy shit moments when you actually start having conversations with doctors or people that will listen to you. And I think as women, and I think this is an important thing to talk about, regardless of the subsequent topics we'll get into. It's very frustrating when people don't listen to you, especially when it's about your personal health. And it's even more frustrating when you don't feel like you maybe even have the resources to turn to, to educate yourself and yeah, and kind of supplement that lack of conversation that's happening, especially to your point if turning to medical professionals and then being met with, oh, actually like we don't really have that much information on this because it hasn't been studied or it hasn't been taught or it hasn't been talked about. So I love, and I think this is a good segue, that you're kind of opening up that conversation about menstrual you know, health, menstrual awareness, things like that, and things that women can do that aren't just the standard, go take this pill every day when it's not necessarily meant to treat some of those things. So I'd love to ask you a question that we ask every guest on the show. And I'd love to know specifically, what does conversational commerce mean to you?
2: Yeah, for me, conversational commerce is really taking a relationship with a customer. It used to be very one way. A brand would give their messaging to their customer, they would provide their benefits, their solutions, like why they're creating something for a problem, maybe. But there wasn't a two way stream of communication. And conversational commerce is really having a space where the customer gets to be part of that conversation and gets to be part of that brand. And for us, that's so important because we are educating our customers, but also getting that feedback from our customers about what they want to learn more about areas that they're feeling are lacking in their education so that we can speak to those louder. And we like I personally talk to our customers all the time. And it's one of my favorite things to do
1: yeah, I love that so much. Like how specifically is Maria, and then, I guess, in your role, how are you inviting customers into the conversation? i've I've seen some examples, but I'd love to hear it from you.
2: We've tried to build communities that are more like behind doors, whether it be a Facebook group or whether it be more a group. But we've realized that conversations for us really happen on all of our platforms, and so we're inviting them in everywhere. So, Instagram, like a good example is we try really, really hard to literally DM every new follower, explaining Mm. to them, here's our mission, here's why we exist, and then ask an open ended question at the end of this kind of like welcome message that's like, do you experience symptoms around your period? Like, we'd love to learn more and see how we can help you. And that more often than not leads to them responding. And the things that we hear from customers are like, oh my God, thank you for the message. Here's what I, what I struggle with. And from there, we'll send them, whether it's a longer form blog post or an Instagram post that relates to the issues that they're having. And I feel like that really opens the door for them to come back to us when they're like, hey, I have questions about this too. Can you answer them? And if we don't have the information already existing within our content platforms, it's just feeding our content idea list. And we're like, hey, yeah, we'll cover that in a few weeks. Give us a minute and let us dig in. So that's been really fun, like just having that open conversation on Instagram. And then also with our existing customers, we really use SMS as a, we really don't do acquisition on SMS just because we don't have the bandwidth to right now. But we love to use it as like a retention tool for our existing customers. Some people come in just to receive like our tips that we send out via text. But yeah, just simple little ways of being really human with people and making people realize that behind our emails, behind our texts, behind our Instagram account, there's another menstruator who gets it.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. That's definitely been a theme that we've heard from folks on this show. It's been so amazing to talk to folks from different brands, similar industry, you know, we're all fairly well versed on the e-commerce space, kind of, you know, marching to similar beats. But everyone has had unique perspectives, but so much, I don't think there's been a single person that hasn't said it's all about making it more human. Like, humans are having these conversations, humans want to feel, you know, more connected to the brands that they are in support of, or they think, um, you know, can help them. So I really love that that's your philosophy. And it sounds like it's a core component of the architecture of the brand. And it's definitely not an afterthought. And I think that's another key. It's like, if you, you try to backtrack and build conversational elements into what you're building, that's when I think it becomes a little more obvious to the end user, of, is this real? Like, is this not just a robot or a chatbot? Like, is this a real person? But I think when it's the core component, it does feel a lot more personal. Joanne Coffee from Aisling Organics uh, joined us a handful of episodes ago and she was really lovely to talk to about kind of what you mentioned, that two-way dialogue with users of, hey, if we want to test out a new product, this is a really important way for us to get feedback from folks, especially through social. So they leverage that as well. So I love hearing all of the unique ways that operators in the space are kind of taking advantage of that. And I want to also definitely give a shout out to you on the SMS side. So I did leverage an example, I think maybe two, from Maria in my Litmus Live talk about how SMS really is the conversational channel because I love right in the onboarding, you're like, Hey, you know, here's a little bit about why this was created. You're leaving with that education. And at the end, you're like, do you have something to say? Like, just reply back to me and I'll be here to answer your questions. And I love that right off the bat, you're kind of leveraging that to invite the conversation in. So I'd love to know what type of, what type of responses are you seeing on through SMS or through, you know, through Instagram, you touched a little bit on it, but I'm sure you get a wide variety.
2: A lot of it is people reaching out with very specific questions. And not all the time is it something we can answer because it's like a a medical question. But I think even giving people the guidance of, hey, this is more of a question for your doctor. Here are a couple of articles that we found helpful on this topic. People will will often ask, I want to come off my birth control. Do you have any suggestions? What should I be aware of? What should I be expecting? I'm experiencing this. My period has been very irregular, like very poignant specific questions. Um, And we love hearing about that because again, it's like continually feeding not only our content machine, but also getting us thinking about future products and how we can better serve our customers.
1: I love that. And I think we've touched on this a little bit and I think it's fantastic that you're really like leading with the education element, but obviously you're still, you're still selling a product. You're still trying to build a business. So I'd love to hear from you. How are you kind of balancing that educational component with still acquiring new folks and ultimately engaging them to purchase. Like commerce is still part of it. So yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about your strategy there.
2: I think this is a great question, especially because it's something we're still trying to figure out. We led and have continued to lead really heavily with education. And it's something that I've started to wonder of, are we not selling enough? And so we're kind of testing now, playing more with talking about the product more integrating product education into this education. So like, why do these nutrients support your menstrual symptoms? What specifically about these nutrients support it? And that allows us to talk about the product more. But at the same time, leading with education has helped us build a community, I think faster. And so I like don't have a great answer for this because we're still trying to figure out what the right balance is and how we sell without it feeling slimy. And Continue to educate without just doing it for no reason and you know no financial reason, if you will.
1: Yeah, no, I love that, and I, I don't think there's any one right answer. And I think some good examples of brands that come to mind that I think you know walk that line. Olipop's a great one. We have the good fortune of talking to Eli Weiss on the show as well. And something I love as a, a customer of theirs is the emphasis on these are the ingredients, and this is why you should give a shit about these specific ingredients and that really resonated with me I and mean, i think a lot of what they talk about is like yeah of course you know you're you're trying to say here's the health benefits and we would love you to buy the product because we do think it's healthy but it's really nice i think the way that they lead with that Daring Foods is a similar brand. I consulted for them a while ago and they have a, they're kind of like the impossible foods, but for chicken. And so they also really lead with like those ingredient elements of like, you know, what is, because people are like, what the heck is in plant-based chicken? And why should I consider that as the alternative? And so they're very benefit forward on like, these are the nutritional components and that's kind of how they lead. And I think that can be that sweet spot of you get people in that are really curious about the makeup, the ingredients, and then the benefits ultimately, and then you kind of do the soft sell because it's like you've already convinced them. And it seems like for Mariah too, like you're you've got such a tight product market fit or product solution fit rather of like there's this really clear issue here, and you're solving it with the education piece and also kind of nurturing them down into the to the product.
2: We've definitely just found too that like our educational elements, whether it's a TikTok or something on Instagram, that really is our top of funnel. And even if it doesn't, and we don't immediately talk about the product, we've gotten the right audience in the room. And then we try to capture them to some of our other marketing channels, whether it be email or just getting them onto our website. And at that point, we feel like, you know, we can educate them on the product, introduce them to the product and tell them why we created it and what it is. So I do still feel like even if it's non-product related education, like we're getting the right people in our room. So it's, I think, been valuable. But again, we're, we're trying to test and see if we can sell harder or if, if what we're doing is working.
1: Yeah, well, and I loved your emphasis on your ability to build the community more quickly um, by really leading with the educational piece because you're clearly bringing in similar minded folks or folks with a similar need for that solution and education for that information that they're, they're looking for. I'm sure Kristen LaFrance would have lots to say on the community aspect of that. Uh, as a brief aside, something that I keep toying with is like kind of doing a, a post uh, show roundtable with some of the, like some of the guests and like the themes that have come up. So all the more reason I think to coordinate that. But on the topic of some of your kind of top of funnel content or just your content in general, I'd love to know, is there content that is working across all of your channels or are you kind of seeing different content perform better on different channels?
2: The thing that we've seen perform the best on some of the short form video, whether that's Reels or TikTok, those two channels work really well for us, is me sharing my story because I think it's relatable, like really relatable to people and that kind of draws people in. Um, and I can personally get like quite emotional about my own story because it it was emotional. It is emotional. And so that has worked on video. Um, and then we've also seen just really heavy science-backed information worked well. And so that's when we have facts that are percentages and we can back it with research. Those types of things really catch people. And I think they dig in and spend more time there.
1: I love what you said about the relatable piece. I mean, as soon as you started kind of sharing your story, like that's exactly, it hit me right in the field because I'm like, girl, yes, yeah, same. And it's, we know as women, it's like the most frustrating thing to deal with, especially if you're actively trying to solve a problem that you're experiencing and just coming up short when it comes to the information or support from the, the medical field, things like that. And I think another core element of why we're having these conversations is, the real and raw element of that. And I, I've never seen that be more true, I think, than when it's the founder saying, this is what I've really experienced. This is personally important to me because I think there's that authenticity element, right? Like people don't have to question being authentic or, you know, if, if it's a ruse, it's like, no, I had a real ass problem. <laughs> and I, this is what I have found to be helpful in me solving it. And now I want to share that with you. So I think it kind of wraps up the the community and the authenticity element um, really beautifully. So I am I love that that's how you're you're kind of leading the charge on that and it it doesn't surprise me that that's the content that's working
2: the scary part is when you're at the grocery store and someone's like hey saw you on tiktok sorry your menstrual cycle isn't great and i'm like oh god or my cleaning lady was like saw you on tiktok i was like
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah like what the 60 seconds of fame you you never asked for yeah i was like
2: oh no (laughs)
1: Oh my goodness that's that's a new a new level of uh local celebrity that's too funny but it's it's great that the the message is getting out there though and I think it's also kind of beautiful too because I think even if we were having this conversation maybe 5 years ago and definitely 10 years ago there's still a lot of shame around talking about menstrual cycles I don't think anyone would be on twitter with chief menstruator proudly kind of displayed in their title because We were told, like, don't talk about that. No one wants to talk about it. Well, guess what? 50% of the population might deal with with things that are important to them on this topic. So I think that element, to me personally, feels really important also is just like you're bringing that conversation to life and making people more comfortable, even saying, hey, sorry, you have a shitty menstrual cycle. So you'd be like, hey, great. Thanks. Like, thanks. Bye. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Like, let's just pretend you didn't see that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) That's fantastic. Cool. So also, I'd love to talk a little bit more about your consulting experience. So I know outside of Mireya, you're also really passionate about e-commerce, passionate about email. So I'm curious, A, how are you balancing that with building and and operating a brand? Um, And then B, how has that experience helped translate learnings to Mireya or vice versa?
2: That's a great question. It's always a work in progress. I set aside basically Two and a half hour blocks a week that I do client work on. And at this point, we're a bootstrapped brand. So having the side income is really like helping me buy groceries at this point. And I'm not out hustling super hard for clients. It's more of referral based. And I just love working with other founders because previous to this, I was the director of marketing at another e commerce company. And that experience was so exciting for me and watching another brand grow, that every time I get to work with another brand and we can take their email account from getting 10% of revenue to 30% of revenue, it's just to see the founder's reactions to those types of things is so exciting to me and to be able to explain how we can better connect with customers through this channel. So I really like that experience um, of digging into someone else's business. And then also I'm totally getting feedback on things that work or don't work and can translate it over to Morea or take things I've learned from Maria and work it in with clients. And just to have that additional experience within other accounts, it really helps me see a broader picture every single day. I'm not just A-B testing in my account, but I'm A-B testing in like four other accounts and I'm learning four times faster. So that's been really, really exciting. And I think that it's just such an undervalued channel that it's really exciting to be able to have a deeper connection with customers throughout their customer life cycle, give them the information that they need when they need it and help teach other marketers that understanding and the possibilities of email. So I just really love that channel and I'm always learning.
1: So I am an email marketer by trade. I bill myself as an email marketer with an SMS problem. I kind of jumped ship and was like, I'm going to be a martyr for this channel and sign up for way too many things. I've Black Friday was good for me. It gave me a, a time to clean my message inbox out finally. But I hear you on the email side and it But what I really like that you said is that it's allowing you to learn four times as fast. And I think that must be really invaluable to your business growth as well, because you're not just, gosh, like, You're not just siloed. You have access to see what's working elsewhere. So my follow-up question to that is, are you seeing some kind of core things working across the board, regardless of accounts you're working on? Or is there anything that stood out to you as like, wow, I wouldn't have expected this to work or not work?
2: One of the things that I've been testing pretty heavily is within the browse abandonment flow and just kind of what information is provided in that flow itself so for some brands, we're doing like really simple reminders of what product someone was looking at, which I think is a very straightforward approach. And then for some brands, we're not really telling them that we know that they were looking at the product, but just feeding them another level of product information that we think they need to get that ad to cart. So like trying to just push them to that next level. And honestly, I'm really seeing that just that sneaky added information that doesn't really suggest we know they were looking at the product works more often than like a, hey, we saw you checking this out. And I've really enjoyed crafting what we think that next piece of information is that someone needs to add to cart. Obviously this is easier to execute when there's maybe only one product within a brand. So like for us at Morea, it's really simple because we pretty much know they're looking at our vitamin mm-hmm. and and some brands have obviously many more products, but for the brands that I work with that have a small number of SKUs, it works quite well to just push people down the funnel with just that next piece of information that's going to make them be like, yes, this is the solution for me.
1: I love your approach there because it's not just the standard, hey, we saw you looking. Because I think, so something I've touched on, and this this has become a big theme, I'm going to shout this one from the rooftops, is just because it's personalized doesn't mean it's personal. So for email, especially, we love to think we can, for Add to Cart and Browse specifically, we can just throw the old, you know, and the product they looked at in there and say, yeah, it's dynamic. It's personalized because I know that Monica viewed this product and I'm just going to say, Hey, so are you looking at this it's here? If you want it. And we're going to check that box of, we did the personalization. And it's like, well, did we really though? Because I think what you're touching on, it's like, well, yeah, they already looked at it. No shit. It's like, they clearly didn't buy it because <laughs> they probably have additional questions or, you know, hesitations, whatever that might be. And so I think flipping that script on like, okay, yes, we're still trying to sell the product, but typically to sell it, you need to educate the person to make them feel really comfortable with completing that purchase. And I love the idea of kind of flipping that narrative of like, all right, you know, we'll introduce them to it. Obviously we know they looked at it. So it's like, they walked away. Let's try to figure out why and proactively answer that in a way that feels way more personal. Cause if I looked at a product and I was like, "Mm, you know, I'm going to sit on it. Not really sure. And let's say to the next day, for example, I get an email that's like, 10 reasons why you know, this product would be perfect for you. I'd be like, hmm, see if there's some reasons I haven't considered. And maybe that'll be you know that nudge to get them over the, the educational hurdle um, to buy.
2: It's been really fun, too, to even get internal marketing teams thinking about how they can interact with their customer service team to understand what those questions might be. And so what I see often is marketing teams being very like, no, we're the marketing team. Like we don't talk to customer service. And it's like, wait, you're marketing to the people customer service talk to. Maybe you guys should talk, talk all the time. And so that like specifically in this email, it's so valuable for um, me to push the team to be like, okay, what are the most common questions that you receive pre-purchase from your customers? And they're like, I have no idea. And I'm like, how do you not know this? Right? Like what? Like that, I think is really exciting to flip that switch in a team's kind of brain of, oh, these are things we should know. And we can market against these questions all the time. It can be a social post, it can be Mm -hmm. in this email. And so that's like really, really fun to kind of like create that relationship within a team.
1: Eli Weiss from Alipop talked at length about the importance of not just looking at your customer support or your customer experience teams as a cost center. It should not just be like, yeah, we've got the people there, you know, to deal with the problems. It's like, what? No. These are the folks that can help salvage those relationships, you know, before they go, they go south. But also to your point, and he acknowledged this as well, your your customer experience teams and your marketing teams should like the that Venn diagram overlap should be really tight. Uh, there should be a lot of sharing there because then you can benefit those teams, right? By proactively alleviating those pain points before it even gets to customer experience. And then on the marketing side, maybe you'll have some really wildly successful campaigns because you're like, let's go ahead and address these problems now, sooner rather than later. Joanne Coffey too, uh, from Aveling Organics kind of talked about that. She said, and, and I'd be curious to know if you do this, she goes, she spends I think like 15 minutes to an hour a week going on like TikTok or Instagram or just looking at where people are making comments about things and she's specifically looking for them like complaining of like, oh, I'm looking for something that does this or I want free shipping, how do I get free shipping? And she'll say she'll literally take, I don't even have to be that great at coming up with copy or figuring out what the problems are because our customers are telling us, they're pretty vocal about it if you just listen. And she'll just take those exact things from those channels and then say like, here's that free shipping you were looking for. And then it's like, oh shit, cool, free shipping. Like didn't even have to ask for it, it's right there. Or, you know, hey, um, you know, you said you have this skin concern. Here's a recommendation. Is that something you're you're doing? How are you guys kind of balancing that at Moran?
2: Yeah, both listening. To, I, I wouldn't say that like we have or that I hear a lot from people and maybe it just is the scale of our company at this point. We're not hearing a lot of complaints, which maybe that's just a good thing. But we do look at what our customers are saying, whether it's in our reviews or in comments about once they've tried the product and then utilizing that to market to new audience members. Because straight from the customer's mouth, it's like, I was really struggling with X. This has really helped me with Y. And being able to use that as copy to new customers. It just like resonates with them way more than anything that we can just like come up with internally.
1: I love that. And I think that's what this show has kind of forced me to learn in these conversations has forced me to learn as a marketer. And I think hopefully our guests take this away and our listeners too, of like, it's so easy for us to sit here as marketers and think, not even just think that we have all the answers, but think that we have to have all the answers. And it's like, spoiler alert, we don't, <laughs> like. we don't have to make it harder for ourselves. It's our job to try to listen to our customers and then appropriately translate that into the right channel. So I, I love hearing you say that. It's like, you don't have to reinvent it. It's like, we're hearing it right from the customer that we're selling to that. This was the problem. This was the solution. Let's use that. Cause it's you know, nine times out of 10, there's probably other people experiencing that as well. So I think that's my, my, my decree and my cry to like other marketers is like, take a step back really try to listen to your customers and also don't put so much pressure on yourself to always have it figured out. You just slow down and listen. Like some of those answers will come and then it's way more of that aha moment when you're like, Oh, we didn't have to force feed this or get all in a room and be like, let's make up problems that we don't know exist. Let's just listen to what our customers are saying. It sounds so simple until we try to do it.
2: One of the great ways that I've learned to do that as well is I do pretty regular customer conversations. And so I'll reach out to people who have been with us for three plus months. And I'll just reach out and say like, Hey, I've noticed you've repurchased three times. Thank you so much. And I'd also would just love to hear how it's working for you, how you found us, why this is the solution for you. Would you mind getting on a 20 minute call? And sometimes I get no response from people, which that's fine. Not everyone wants to talk to me on the phone. But when I do get someone on the phone, it's so interesting for me to hear their journey to our product and then their experience with the product over the lifetime that they've been trying it. And I really take those conversations and I'll record them and listen back and see if there are like key phrases that I'm hearing over and over again in these conversations, or if there's something specific that someone said that really stands out and I think could be a marketing message. I feel like that's just an easy hack for people to be able to speak directly to their customer needs because it's your customer directly telling you, I was really needing X in my life. I found you here and this is how it's helped me. So then if we can regurgitate that story in other ways to our audience, it's hopefully just going to benefit more people.
1: Fal Geister would say you're very right to do that. That's her, you know, her whole job is to to talk to customers all day, every day. And I think, again, it's one of those things that it's like, duh, and it shouldn't be. I think we've talked a lot about with various founders of like, you know, doing things that don't scale or doing things that are really hard to scale. And at some point it becomes very difficult for the solo founder To keep doing those things. But I think when it becomes a core component of any company, that's something that can be carried on. If you empower your customer um, experience teams to say, Hey, you know, maybe once a week, just get on a single call with a customer. It doesn't have to be hundreds. You don't have to have these unattainable KPIs. Even just, I'm sure even one or two conversations can be so much more valuable than a survey that goes out to everyone. And then also, I assume that has to feel so much more personal for the customer. And then also for you being able to directly have that conversation.
2: It's really, really fun to have the conversations. I learn a lot. And I think that so far the customers that i have talked to it's created a much deeper relationship with that customer they i notice them engaging more in social them being more involved with the brand because they've talked to me they understand where this brand is coming from and they know that there's a real person behind it that has the same problem they have and so overall it's been a pretty interesting experience and yeah like do one every two weeks it takes an hour of your time it's not scalable if you're trying to do one every day maybe but i think it's it can be really valuable if you just make the time for it.
1: But and also too, like, let's say, you know, an hour of your time now, and that's even split over, you know, two calls so Let's say 30 minutes of your time now to save hundreds of hours, potentially across your team, trying to figure out those things that your customers already have the keys to. It's like you're trying to unlock those secrets and you're just not asking the right people. I love that. Are there any, this is kind of an off the cuff question. Are there any customer stories that really stand out to you? Like really unique uh, kind of experiences you've heard or ones that really kind of stuck with you?
2: I have gotten a phone call from a husband before. This wasn't a direct customer story, but I just, he called our customer service number to thank me because his wife had started to use the product and he was like, I know that she's feeling better, but it's not just her life that it's changed. It's really mine. And I was like crying. <laughs> like Yeah. Tears, just like, oh my God, thank you so much. And, and so like stories like that, I think are, are so incredible. There was another customer who called when we were out of stock for a bit this year, <laughs> which I think other people can probably relate to. But she called and she was just so, so excited. We were chatting she's like, I'm not big on social media, but I think that you need to be on Ricky Lake. You need to be on TV. Like she was clearly very into TV shows. Daytime. Yeah, daytime TV. And she went on to say that our product was crack to her. And without it, she couldn't go on in life, which like our product's not a drug. But those types of things where people are really, really feeling like they're dependent on this. And it's made such an impact in their life that they need it. and it's a healthy solution. Like that just feels so good to me. When I went into launching this business, I was like, if I can just like help a hundred women, I'm going to feel so excited. And to hear the little stories along the way of the people who it's really making a dent in their lives. It's, I think obviously the brand is getting something out of it, but most of the time, like I just walk away feeling pretty good, (laughs) which as a solo founder, like there's something to be said for that too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, it's so important. I mean, it keeps you I mean, why the heck else do you want to wake up every day to to keep doing it? I love that. I think that's so important. and So heartwarming. And also makes me feel like you're really in it for the right reasons. You're like, of course, I feel good helping people. But it's because I really do want to help people. And I'll go ahead and bet that you're probably past the 100 customers like lives changed mark. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe 100 was like, maybe I need to raise my, my goals a little bit.
1: Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. I love that. We're coming up on the top of the hour. I do have a couple more questions for you. And so just kind of in general, What other brands do you think are approaching education or conversational commerce really well? Like where are you pulling inspiration from or what brands are really resonating for you?
2: I definitely look a lot in the women's health space and have loved seeing what Modern Fertility has done. They have done a really good job. They actually have a very specific community on a Slack channel and they have like a nurse practitioner that does a weekly q&a session and so you can go in and get questions answered like directly from a medical professional which i just think is mm. so cool like i would love to do something like that we just don't necessarily have have the resources
1: i was like oh my gosh like is maria gonna have like a, you know ask
2: an md or something like that? yeah i would love 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 to be able to do that i think it's just a resources thing at this time but i think that's that's really amazing. They also host little live workshops here and there people can sign up for that. It's very evident to me that they're hosting on specific topics that they're hearing about in their community. And so they're like support groups almost around fertility, which I just think is amazing. Other brands that I look at a lot, you already mentioned Olipop, but I have saved so many of their emails just because they're so so good at educating and selling and like weighing it really well. And so I think Just watching them and how they're doing it is going to like help us inform how we move forward. And then I also always, always love Seed, the probiotic company.
1: Mm. I want to try the is that the green glass Mm -hmm. jar? Okay, I can can like visually see it. This is the not the first time I've heard it.
2: Yeah, some of their and obviously like so much of what I consume from brands is emails because I'm always like signing up and seeing what people are doing. But their emails are really, really good on educating the consumer on what to expect, what's going to change. And I think especially with a consumable, that can be really, really amazing in the process of trying something new. Like, oh, you tried it for two days and you're already like, no, this isn't working for me. Well, if you can educate the customer that, hey, you're not going to notice results in two days, like give yourself a minute. I think that they've done a really good job at almost educating before the customer has the question. And that's been really cool to kind of watch. But yeah, those are just some of the examples off the top of my head. I think there's so many brands thriving on social media and can think of like Coco Kind and Bloom and like the channels that do really amazing things to their customers on social. But yeah, there's so many good examples out there these days. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I always love to hear like what really resonates, you know, for each person. But yeah, and I I think the key too, I love the your emphasis on looking for brands that are already kind of anticipating those customer questions again. And because that's also how you kind of drive retention before because you're trying not to lose that customer, right? So rather than trying to earn them back, it's like just answer the question upfront, try to, you know, try to make them feel as comfortable and invested in the brand or in the product. And then you don't have to work as hard to get them back. It's like, take your time. It's like a, a pre-retention strategy almost. So yeah, I really like that. Awesome. Cool. Well, we are coming up to the end of the hour. And one final thing uh, I really love to do is kind of just give you an open floor. So if you have any other tips or just advice that you want to leave for our listeners, whether that's on Maria, your founder story, conversational commerce, the floor is yours. No pressure. We'll take anything you want to give us.
2: Well, I'm so grateful for the time today. And I would say to anyone listening, don't be afraid to have the conversations with your customers i think so many great realizations for me have come from those conversations whether it is in the dms or a sms response an email response like prompt an email response when it's a plain text email from the founder and then replies the founder And start to have those back and forth conversations. And I know that it's not necessarily a hugely scalable thing, but those customers that you have those conversations with are going to be really long-term customers because you've made them feel super special. And so if you impact one person, they're probably going to go tell five people. So it's not a bad ratio. So do the unscalable, have the conversations and just listen and be, be vulnerable with your customers too. I
1: love that. Thank you so much, Monica. This has been such a pleasure. Um, and I want to give our listeners the opportunity to learn more from you. So where can they find you online? Where can they learn more about Maria? Go ahead, shout your socials for those that are listening.
2: Come check out Morea on Instagram at Maria Wellness. And then you can always come chat with me on Twitter at Monica Groney and all of the other social channels, but you'll find us on both of those most readily available. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Well, Monica, this has been an absolute pleasure. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Such incredible insights from you. I'm personally so excited to try out Maria. I haven't yet, and you're going to be hearing from me. So thank you so much again. And to our listeners, stay tuned uh, for when we come back with uh, next week's episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in to Conversational Commerce.
0: As we wrap up today's episode, another shout out to our sponsor, Postscript, the leader in SMS marketing for Shopify and Shopify Plus brands. If you're not already using PostScript, be sure to check out their free 30-day trial. That's right, 30 full days, an entire calendar month for free. We've heard some brands have made over $100,000 during their free trial, so don't sleep on this. For your 30-day free trial, check out the link in our show notes or visit postscript.io. Again, that's postscript.io
1: to start your free trial today.